What's up, fools? This is Nigel McGuinness. This is Nick and Matt Jackson. Hey, this is TJ Perkins. This is Mike Mondo. This is Ring of Honor's Adam Cole. This is the Info Red Titus. This is the king of old school, Steve Freno. The ROH Podcast. Or is it ROH Cast at ROHWorld.com? Stay tuned, wankers, or I'll give you the tower of London. Two, two. Two, two. Two, two. Two, two. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to episode 64 of ROH Cast. My name's Harry, I'm the web designer and co-owner of ROHworld.com and uh, well, it's just me today. There's no one else here in the wonderful ROH World podcast studio. Um, I have no idea where my uh, co-hosts, Stephen and John, are. Um, I have some rumours, I've heard some things. The last time I saw, spoke to Stephen, he told me that Charlie Haas asked him to come go to, you know, meet him at a secure location to to smell something. Possibly a rag. I don't know what happened to Stephen, whether we'll ever see him again. John, I've not heard from him in, a, in quite a few days, but I did receive a, a text from Mike Mondo asking if John, ask, he, said, he said to John, how does it feel to kiss a real man? Now, I don't know what is going on with these two people, but they're not here. But luckily... Um, the zombie podcaster Des managed to line up an exclusive interview for us with uh, Tom Filsinger, who is the creator, the sort of the the man behind the Ring of Honor card game that comes out November 29th. So that's about uh, a week away. Um, next week, next Thursday, I believe. Um, so yeah, uh, Des talks to him for about half an hour all about the new card game, where the concept of it came from. Talks about some of the mechanics of the game. So we do hope you enjoy the interview. Um, we should be having our usual ROH podcast, uh, <laughs> ROH podcast, the ROH cast should be back to normal next week and also tune in next week for some uh, exciting stuff involving the new Ring of Honor card game. So if you're interested in the game, be sure to check out ROHL.com next week for some exciting things. So uh, yeah, that's enough of me rambling <laughs> here all by myself. So we'll get to the interview now and uh, we do hope you enjoy it. Toot toot. Guest at this time is an entrepreneur, a creator of sorts. He has really set a precedent here for wrestling-related card games, and we're going to jump into his history. But Tom Filsinger, the man behind the Ring of Honor card game, coming out on November 29th from Filsinger Games, is here with me. And Tom, how you doing? Great, Des. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to have you here on ROH World. When, when this game was first announced, we got really excited uh, just about the concept here, here, of course, we're big fans of Ring of Honor, obviously. Um, we wouldn't be running a, a fan site if, if we weren't. But uh, just to know that these characters would be immortalized here in this box of, of Ring of Honor-style cards, uh, it was really exciting to us. And when you went into creating this game, what was sort of your vision here? Um, I know you've created a couple other wrestling uh, games in the past. Uh, did you have any specific vision with the Ring of Honor game? Well, you know, it's what we have with all our games, and what I, I hope our, our Ring of Honor fans already have heard of us, and if they haven't, they're going to love what they're going to see because we've been doing these games, like you say, a long time. And what I want to do is what I always want to do with a new game, whether it was Chikara and now it's a Ring of Honor, and that is to create the feel of that Fed to, to give fans of Ring of Honor 
the chance to play a game that makes them feel they're running a Ring of Honor Federation. And I think they're going to feel that way. I think they're going to like it a lot. There are a lot of things about the professional wrestling world and, and really the trading card game world, a world that admittedly I'm not too familiar with. Uh, it's not necessarily my hobby, but it's something that I, I've, I've been very interested in that many of my friends are very interested in. And I guess I go back to games like Magic the Gathering, you know, games like that. Am, am I sort of on the money there when I think of your influences or things that you grew up playing, maybe, that sort of influenced you to create games like Ring of Honor or your original creation, Champions of the Galaxy? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Magic is, is definitely something that that I play and I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But the, the direct influences on, on my games was a, a sports action game called Stratomatic. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No. But they produced baseball, football, hockey, basketball, and they created a, a very fast action system. And uh, I loved playing that in a, when I was younger. And I think the card games that have been developed by my company have those qualities to them. So if you have a, a, a match, let's say Kevin Steen and El Generico, mm-hmm. and you've got their playing cards, and, and you're, you're playing them in a match against each other, you're, you're going to see a lot of fast action movement, uh, the stuff takes place in real time. And I, I would say that that was the main influence on me when I was uh, starting my game playing. And Ring of Honor is definitely known for that fast, pa- uh, fast-paced, fast sort of really action-packed style, which I think is very conducive to this card game. Um, I mean, I don't want to jump into really specifics here, Tom, but for those fans who have never really seen a Phil Singer game before, what are some of the maybe some of the rules or, or I don't know, some of the most appealing things that, that a, a Phil Singer game would, would bring to the table here? Because I know a lot of our listeners, this is kind of their first time hearing about Phil Singer. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little history then. Um, when I first created the game Mechanic in the 1980s, I was trying to sell it to the World Wrestling Federation at that, that time. And, you know, I, I was very close to a deal with them, and then they, they backed out. And instead, to make a, a long story short, they produced a uh, Milton Bradley right. board game. And, you know, that was very disappointing to me because that board game produced by Milton Bradley was a game made for children, and it, it didn't simulate wrestling at all. It, it really had and, and I had a game system that I thought a, a true fan would really enjoy. And I decided at that time I couldn't license with the WWF or any major Fed at that time that I would just create my own characters and create my own game. And I'm, I'm really thankful it turned out that way because there's a real life lesson in that, that, you know, uh, when you get a, a lemon, make lemonade, because that's exactly what happened. I created Champions of the Galaxy, a fictional wrestling universe, and that's been going strong now for over 25 years. We've added to that uh, signing real-life people. That started in 2003 when I reached an agreement with some wrestlers individually to sign them to a, a game that I call Legends of Wrestling Card Game. And we've been releasing that since 2003, and, and that's got the Road Warriors and the Iron Sheik and, you know, just tons of the all-time great wrestlers. And our 12th expansion of that is coming out in December this year. Uh, we moved from that to a, an agreement with Chikara, and we've got a beautiful Chikara game, and now with Ring of Honor. 
And uh, the goal, as always, is to, is to simply produce the rest, best wrestling game on the market. What we do is we, the people who write the game cards, are true students of wrestling federations. Mm-hmm. So a, a, a Ring of Honor game fan is going to notice that, let's say, a Kevin Steen game card, a Jimmy Jacobs game card, is going to have all their moves on it, and their finishing move is going to be their finishing move. And the kind of things that happen to them during a match is, is what's going to happen. What a fan has is the opportunity to be the booker. To tell them, Here's a storyline that maybe Ring of Honor didn't do, but I'm going to do because it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cool step that I want to try. And maybe that's put, pitting two people against each other that maybe were pitted against each other a few years ago, but let's do it again now or whatever it is. I hope that answers your question. I'm probably rambling. No, absolutely not. It definitely clears up some of the questions uh, I know a lot of fans have about just the uh, the idea of putting a, a wrestling card game into practice. Um, mm-hmm. are, are you a fan of Ring of Honor uh, currently? Are, are you, you know, watching the product week to week? Yeah, I, I'm a fan of, you know, all wrestling. I, I, I try to watch as much as I can. It's not always easy to do it. But I've seen a lot of really cool shows. And I was at a Ring of Honor show in Chicago, uh, the one, the Synergy show. Oh, okay. uh, with Picara. Yeah. That was great. You know, it was all day. I had some really great, great action on that card. So, so sure. Uh, I, some of my favorite wrestlers are, are Ring of Honor wrestlers. I, I certainly hope. I mean, I'm a Kevin Steen fan personally, and a lot of our listeners are. I, I hope Kevin Steen gets to taunt the fans like he does in real life. That would be a great quality to have there in the card <laughs> game. Well, you know, the, the, the playing card itself has all the game mechanic for for playing a lot of the extra is what the game player brings to it you know in other words we don't tell you what storylines to run of course we let you do it and in let's say you want to have kevin steen do a shocking new move or, or i mean a, a a new uh direction uh that's the that's the true fun of the game, and that's the addictive quality. All the game fans who've been playing all our Phil Singer games for years is, you know, what twists and turns do they bring to the action? And then the fun part is the community also, because then you share that with other people who are playing the games, and you say to them, you know, here's something I did with Kevin Steen, uh, and then somebody else might say I did the same thing or I didn't, and how did it go for you? And Kevin Steen's the Fed. Well, in, in my Fed, he just lost it to El Generico or, or somebody else. And um, the community aspect of it makes it all the more fun. So what you're saying is we can make Charlie Haas yell toot toot whenever we would like. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, absolutely right. You can make do whatever you want. And that's the beauty of it, I think, is it gives a chance for a person. You're always going to you're, you're building on what's already there. And so if a person loves Ring of Honor, all right, you know, that that's there. Now now the question is, if you were booking Ring of Honor, what, what would you do? What, how, what directions would you go? Right. And it's your fat. You know, that's like a, a big uh, tagline for for 25 years from my game fans is uh, it's your fed, promoter. It, it's your fed. You know, you, you make it as good as it can be. You've got all the tools at your disposal. For example, it's not just the playing cards. We give uh, special matches. So a person can play. Uh, I'll give you an example. It'll come with the Ring of Honor game. The handbook has got bios for all the wrestlers, which is nice in case you get some people who might not know some of them as well as others. But what's really cool is you also get a Code of Honor chart 
so that before a match, you can roll on it and and see. It it, kind of dictates how the match even starts based on the the code of honor that, you know, is part of the Ring of Honor game. There's There's a fight without honor match, rules for that. Plus, the game has its own special matches that are just part of Phil Singer game history, like cage matches, jack matches, just about anything you see in professional wrestling. So it's all there. That sounds like loads of fun. I, I want to jump back a little bit to the beginning of the Phil Singer empire, I want to call it, uh, when you launched your Champions of the Galaxy game with the GWF. And... Um, I mean, what this was a, a completely like as you said earlier, a, a fictional wrestling federation, but with a lot of creativity injected in there. As you know, that marked the start of the Feel Singer game era. Uh, what was I don't know. I mean, you had just finished up trying to market your product to the World Wrestling Federation, and then mm-hmm. Champions of the Galaxy came along. What was the the impetus behind that? I mean, was it just the need to be creative, or was it something bigger? Well. You know, like I said, I came up with a game system that I thought was was worked really nice for professional wrestling, and I and I, it made the most sense to go to the WWF because I thought, you know, geez, if the WWF takes it, I'll I'll get rich and retire early or something. Mm-hmm. But like they, but they didn't, and so the Champions of the Galaxy thing was fun because it was so new. It's the first time that you saw professional wrestling merged with comic book type storylines, mm-hmm. and. It was so new for its time, because this was 1987, that I I thought, geez, I wonder if anybody's going to buy this, if they're going to freak out when they see it. I had an ad in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, right. you know, and it, and then when, when you receive Champions of the Galaxy, there's some aliens in it. Well, luckily for me, there's people that really did catch on to it, and I think I, think I stumbled onto something that was ahead of its time, because as professional wrestling developed, I think the characters started to take on more of a, a comic book feel, especially when you get The Undertaker or you get Kane. And, uh, you know, that just sort of filtered into wrestling, that wrestlers are, are, are larger-than-life superheroes. So I was, I was really, really happy to develop that, you know. I was really happy to be part of that wave. Yeah, and, the, and then you really did get to see the, see the introduction of, of larger-than-life superheroes. Like, you got the Tiger Mask in Japan, and you got... Mm-hmm. Guys, like in the 90s, WWF was all about being larger than life. You had these crazy characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I look at, at comic books and uh, and wrestling, I see that they have a lot in common. That's always been two of my favorite things. And to me, uh, a, a wrestling match is, is almost like a comic book superhero fight. It's reduced to that. In other words, uh, you know, you get a, you get a, a comic book and, and the Hulk's going to – you have a, a big battle with uh, Thor – yeah, and uh, there's a lot of character development, let's say, leading up to that. But then there's the fight, and that's kind of what everybody looks forward to: is you know who's going to win that fight. Well, wrestling is is kind of like focusing on the fight alone. And to me, for wrestling to be good, the character development has to be strong, and the storylines have to be strong because you have to care about the fight, and you have to care about who wins. And it, to me, that's when wrestling works at its best, is, is, is when you care about the people. That's right. And, um, I mean, I mean, you talk about there the cross between comic books and wrestling, and that's really what I want to get into here, is, is that connection. Because you're right, the storylines do really connect when you look at it. When you watch a, a good wrestling show, which, to be honest, is hard to find nowadays, but if you watch a good wrestling show, 
you want a long-standing arc in a story. And I think comic books for years have done a fantastic job of, of encapsulating that. Um, and you see now CM Punk authoring the foreword for a, a very popular uh, very popular comic book, The Avengers vs. the X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. Is What did you grow up uh, enjoying first? I'm curious here. Did, was it wrestling? Was it comic books? Or did one sort of transition over to the other? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had a really uh, weird childhood, I guess, because it, that's the, those were the two, and they were both there very early. Um, comic books just enthralled me. I just fell right into them, and I was very fortunate. I grew up as a child at the time that the Marvel Universe was just starting to take shape, mm-hmm. and it was just a, so dramatic and so interesting. And there's no way that anybody, especially my parents, would have ever thought that 40 years later, is it, or is it more like 50, that those same comic books would be the basis for major motion pictures? That's right. I mean, the Avengers movie is based on Avengers number one comic book. That came out about 1963 or something. So, you know, that stuff was strong, in it, and it stayed on. And so I was influenced by that. And then it, with professional wrestling, I, I lived in a, in a Greek immigrant home. And so my, my grandparents were from Greece, and they were, you know, very basic people. And so they watched wrestling, and they took it very seriously because mm-hmm. to them it was real. And that was very common in those days for the older generation to think that it was real. And so I was blown away by it because I thought, wow, what the heck is going on here? You know, you if you think it's real, you really get drawn in, into it. Absolutely. Um, and I loved it. And I never stopped loving it. So I've loved wrestling for, uh, you know, at least five, six decades almost. Was there any period for you in pro wrestling when it felt exceptional? Um, I know a lot of people really enjoyed the 90s there with, in, in Japan where, again, you had all those superheroes. And even now in Mexico, you have all the masked characters and, and everybody there is, is pretty much a superhero. Was there any period yeah. or, or any region in wrestling that ever really stood out to you? Well, Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a, a couple. When I was growing up, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to get when I lived in Cleveland to get um, the Detroit wrestling. Now there was also Cleveland wrestling. There was two, but the Cleveland wrestling was okay. The Cleveland wrestling uh, fed was in Cleveland, Buffalo, and, and some other areas, and had people in it like Johnny Powers. Mm-hmm. And but but the Detroit one was was really good. It was as you might know, run by the original Sheik. That's right. And it had Bobo Brazil and Johnny Valentine and some real legends. And and that was that was to me a classic era. But of course, it wasn't nationwide. When I in the early eighties, uh, when cable came out and 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 that brought the WWF to everybody nationally. But that was a fantastic fed at that time. I kind of liked it best right before it was huge, actually, because I'm like a, a true wrestling fan in a sense. I, I liked it right before Hogan took over and became big. And I liked it after that, too. But they had a classic era right before that. They had the Snuka Morocco feud. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some great stuff going on there. Then, like you say, in the 90s, there was the innovations of the 90s in, in the Japanese wrestling there was then the, the the NWO, which woke up everybody. Wrestling was in the doldrums before that. Oh, yeah. And that was fantastic. You know, the NWO thing was great. I mean, we all know that it, it, it fizzled out because maybe it could have been handled better, the story. But 
at first it was, you know, ground setting. You know, it was it was great. And then, of course, that made the WWF better. And then you had Stone Cold and The Rock and Mick Foley. And that was, you know, that about five or six year period there around the year 2000 was one of wrestling's greatest eras. So those would be my tops that I, I saw. I'm really curious to know, have you ever been approached or have you ever considered taking – well, let me backtrack here. Um, of course, when we watch WWE television and we watch Sin Cara, who was uh, Mystico uh, back in Mexico, we always get the stat that uh, Mexico, uh, Mystico had his own comic book written about him in, in Mexico. And, and so did a lot of people. I believe even El Santo had his own comic book at one point. But, uh, I mean, that's never really been the case here in the United States. That's not really infiltrated the pop culture. Have you ever considered the idea of taking a, a wrestling personality who might have agreed to uh, pose or, or be a part of a card and, uh, you know, just go ahead and create a comic book in an entire new universe? Yeah, that would be a cool idea. And, you know, there have been, like you say, some independent comic books put out, but they never really caught on and, and, and stayed popular. Um my one of my game artists was a guy named Brian Bendis, and he has gone on to become a incredibly successful comic book writer, mm-hmm. as uh, the writer of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And in fact, he wrote those uh, Avengers versus X-Men books. And you know, he's 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 huge now. But he actually was drawing for me throughout the '90s, and he used to say to me, "Why don't we do a Champions of the Galaxy comic book?" And I thought that was a great idea. It just it's just something we never got around, to, but. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's a tough thing to pull off well, you know, to to take a, a wrestler and make a ongoing series about that wrestler without focusing too much on the wrestling and not enough, like we were saying before, on the development of, of the character so that it transcends wrestling. That's the only thing that's going to keep it going is a comic book, because it has to have more appeal than that. That's right. And it's I think- just my view. I could be wrong. No, I completely agree, and I and I think the idea of, of being a pro wrestler, even if you're not playing a superhero character or or a mysterious character, there's still that mystique there when you're a pro wrestler of of really having a secret identity and and being a real yeah. person, um, and I think that would translate perfectly into a comic book. It's just the idea. I feel like comic books are very much like wrestling in the sense that they they're very popular among a certain group. But mm-hmm. it's just that chance that you want for it to just pop and be a part of popular culture and and, and really permeate that uh, that popular mentality there and just have everybody reading comic books and everybody watching wrestling. And I, I don't think it'll ever get to that point, but I believe the genre is powerful enough that it'll have a, a huge following for a very long time. Yeah. You know, those eras are behind us temporarily anyway. I remember there was a time when every kid in America read comic books, and now that's not even close to true. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also a college professor, and I, I was teaching full-time right. You know, up until uh, several years ago. And, you know, right around that era, like I was saying, the year 2000 and stuff, if I walked into a classroom and brought up a wrestling reference, everybody knew it. Uh, every you know a lot of people were watching the Monday Night Wars. If I was to go into a classroom and do that today, most people wouldn't know what I was talking about because it it isn't you know it's fallen back sort of yeah even though it's still wildly successful as a every Monday night tons of people watch it. it it's still more you know the wrestling fans not beyond that much more right now. 
Yeah. Okay, that's okay. You know, I mean, it always goes in cycles. And as long as you keep the product good uh, and you satisfy the hardcore fan, you know, and uh, that's why it's so great to have all these feds around. It's great to have the variety. It's great to have the Ring of Honor. It's great to have Jakara. It's great to have all all the other feds so that, you know, you, you, you have a like a buffet of things to choose from at any given time. Tom, I do want to jump into one more thing with you that you, you brought up, the idea of, of – like you talked about, wrestling and its decline among young people, among the youths. Um, I'm a college student right now, and, and yeah, there's certainly nobody there who, who really talks openly about pro wrestling. Um, and I know back in the 90s, just using my school as an example, there was an NWO Appreciation Club. And yeah. uh, you know now you you wouldn't even hear of such a thing. There, there's no such thing as a, you know, uh, what's a, a popularly stable right now? I guess there's not one, but like a, a CM Punk Appreciation Club, for example, there's no such thing. And yeah. if you talk to anybody who claims to be a wrestling fan, chances are they don't know what Ring of Honor is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you do you? I mean, do you ever try and bond with your students and, and use wrestling terms, or is is that wrestling fan who happens to attend your class kind of like a diamond in the rough? Um, how rare is that right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 sort of rare, I suppose. The the thing is, if a person's a wrestling fan, they do tend to be knowledgeable in general. I do find, you know, I, I think a lot of people who take the trouble to like wrestling do know that these other feds exist. And um, but but like you say, it's a smaller group. Wrestling is fighting some trends that are that are hard to go against right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't I don't I don't think people see this statistically the way they ought to, but uh, I'm a big fan of people like Nate Silver, who's a, a statistician who oh, yeah. got a lot of attention this last election because he successfully predicted all 50 states before the results were even in. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's got a best-selling book out now. But since like, I was telling you, like the 1960s to now, 2012, if I was to draw a graph of how many people believe wrestling is on a level, Obviously, it's extremely low now. It might only be a, it's probably less than 10% of people who actually think it's still real. And you might even think that's high, but believe me, there's people living in rural areas and trailers. You know, they're, they, they still don't know for sure what's going on. But let's say it's really low. As the percentage of people who believe goes down, so does the intensity of their interest. In other words, you know, in the 1960s, you didn't have to have a great performance because people thought it was real. So they were buying in. In 2012, you've got to have great performance because people are judging it by its performance. They're not judging it by its reality any longer. I think the long-term effect of that has been to take away some of the intensity of following professional wrestling. Now, on top of that, in the last 10 years, you've had the growth of MMA, which is an alternative now to uh, professional wrestling that's real instead of, you know, scripted. The advantage I think wrestling has, however, it, it is greater showmanship. And what wrestling needs today, and it doesn't have at the moment, is that new transcendent star. You know, the, the, the Hulk Hogan, the right. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. It just doesn't happen to have that at this moment. I think if that person comes along, you could see wrestling, you know, return to a, a, a high level that it once was. Absolutely. And we, we talk about showmanship. We talk about great performances. I think that's what Ring of Honor is all about. And um, it's great to have yeah. a, a, an entire card game dedicated to it. 
with expansion packs coming out regularly. This this is a thing that seems like it's not going to stop. People are going to keep adding to their collection. And uh, Tom, I, I'm really happy to have you on the program. I'm really happy to know that Ring of Honor is going to be immortalized here in this card game. And I'm I'm really encouraging fans to go out and check this game out and, and play this game and just have fun with wrestling because I think that's how me- wrestling was meant to be enjoyed is just to have fun with it, to be creative with it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just to be your own boss in the world of wrestling. Yeah. Well, like you just said, um, we're going to be releasing expansion packs regularly. People are always going to have the latest guys. Mm-hmm. I strongly encourage people to go to our Phil Singer Games website so they can see all about what, what we do and that we do it you know, regularly because we love it. You know, this is a labor of love. It's it's. That's all it is. It's no question about it. Anybody who buys any of our stuff will know that it's made by people who care about it. It's not a, a big corporation trying to make money off people. No way. We all play. I still play. Uh, I do want to thank you for being on the program, Tom. I think everyone's interested here to get this game and jump on the uh, Ring of Honor card game as soon as possible. I want to encourage everybody to head on over to FieldSingerGames.com. FieldSingerGames.com, that's where you can order the Ring of Honor card game. It's available for pre-order now. And it's available on November 29th. So grab that game. It's a perfect holiday gift. Check it out. And uh, Tom yeah, it is starts a- mailing on November 29th. Starts mailing November 29th. Right. Fantastic. An awesome stocking stuffer, I think. So, uh, Tom, any, any last uh, thoughts here for the ROH World listeners? Uh, can fans keep up with you uh, through social media? Well, I probably already said it, but if you're a Ring of Honor fan, you've got a chance to run your own Ring of Honor fed. You'll have beautiful cards that you can hold with. By the way, I do want to give credit to the artist, uh, Werner Muck. Fantastic. I mean, sometimes people say, you know, they like video games, they like computer games. You know, you know, you can't just do everything on those things. You know, it's nice right. to do something all t- to have for a change, to have like a, a physical card that you can hold on your hand, you can put on a table, play somebody, or you can play by yourself. Either way works fine. Um, I think... Uh, for those people who already don't know about us, they're going to find out why we've been around for 25 years. And it's for them. Tom, a real quick final question. Uh, do you have a personal favorite card in this Ring of Honor set? Well, I'm a huge fan of El Generico. And his card art is awesome. I, If anybody wants to see this card art, uh, go to our website and go to the Filsinger Games message board where a lot of the Ring of Honor card art's been posted. Um, the card art's amazing. Uh, the, the Kevin Steen was in, one is intense. It's like a kind of a hardcore version of Kevin Steen. Mm-hmm. The El Generico is a great in motion shot. Um, oh, the art in this game is beautiful. Rhino, everybody, you got 26 wrestlers in the first set, so it's enough to start your Ring of Honor fed before we start doing the expansion packs next year. So I'd say, you know, get your fed started right away so that you're ready for when we keep putting new ones out. And you can check out the artwork there at, at philsingergames.proboards.com is where you can check the art out. We've been posting some of the art over the past couple of months as it's yeah. been made available. But you can grab that game and get all of the art in your hand at the same time on November 29th. Yeah. So, Tom, yeah. one more time, thanks for being on the program, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Jess.